0: Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host Brian Doucette. and as we do every week, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts. My guest today is an author, instructor, and martial artist who spent 17 years working in the correctional system, including 10 as a sergeant. Assignments included booking, maximum security, disciplinary, and administrative segregation. He was a cert member for 11 years. His training has included over 800 hours of tactical training, witness protection, and close quarters handgun training. He has designed and taught courses in confrontational simulations, uncontrolled environments, crisis communications, and more. And two. 2008, he left his agency to spend over a year in Iraq with the Department of Justice as a civilian advisor to the Iraqi Correction System. He has a bachelor's degree in psychology and is the founder of Kiran Training. Please welcome my guest today, Mr. Rory Miller. How are you doing today, sir?
1: I'm doing good. How did you get through all that without breathing?
0: (laughs) Years of radio. (laughs) I can usually do about a a 30-second commercial in one take. When it goes beyond that, I usually have to Take a few breaks and edit stuff together. When I was younger, I could probably do sixty without a break, but you know, thirty is usually pretty solid.
1: That was amazing. I don't know, but for everyone listening, that whole thing was just one long breath. That was crazy.
0: Yeah, as I said, I I, I try to get through it. A few of my intros are longer than others, and I do have to take a breath in there. But yeah, mo- most of them I try to get through in one take. It's it, it sounds better that way. So, but I truly appreciate your time. I'm glad I'm glad we're doing this, and I, I can't wait to hear more about your story. So. Kind of how we kick things off with all my guests. I want to go back to the very beginning. I want to know where that first spark came from, that first interest, and what kind of led to launching your martial arts journey.
1: Oh, wow. I had more opportunity than I took advantage of in the sense that my dad had been a Golden Gloves boxer. Cool. My mom had fencing, and I didn't give a shit about any of that. I just wanted to be left alone and read books. We moved when I was 11 to a place that was so remote. Uh, my graduating class had six people in it. Wow. And it was it was a lot of farm boy work, a lot of ranch work, good physically. The um the school was so small that I played varsity football before I was five foot tall or hundred pounds. <laughs> wow. I, um I was yeah, I was very small as a kid. But if I didn't go out, we didn't have enough to make a team. We played eight men football and you needed nine people registered on the team before you'd be allowed to play. So I was I was the only one that was only on the defense team. Everyone else played both. As you can imagine, I got my ass kicked thoroughly a lot, but that's, I think, um, I think that would be good for almost every martial artist or person that wants to be martial art because you take solid hits and you have to stick to the plan and you have to get back up and get back in the game and football, American football or rugby are like the two best sports for making that a habit. So um, for course, small redneck school, there's a lot of bullying, but I found out. At one point, that giving into my rage was the antidote to that, but that had consequences too. And I actually got into martial arts when I went to college and I started college at 17 because someone told me it would help me control my temper.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And so, yeah, it was kind of like I got into it not because I was bullied, because I would caught myself turning into the bully. Oh, and I needed to. I didn't like where that was going. I didn't like who I was becoming. Okay. And I lucked into judo, which I still think is probably the best foundational martial art. And I had a couple of extraordinary instructors, the, um, you know, the advisor who, the guy who was actually a college professor, who was a coach, Wolfgang Dill had been on the West German national team. And uh, Mike Moore, who was the actual, you know, captain of the team and, and the primary instructor had been a junior national champion. And it was just incredibly hard work. The the thing I love about Judo as opposed to anything else, it is all fitness and physics. Mm-hmm. That's where I started.
0: so know what uh, how long did you train at that with that specific group of people in Judo?
1: I trained as long as I was in college okay. and and I was on the team, and that that doesn't that's not as big deal as it sounds like. It's not like you have to compete to be on the team if you show up, you're on the team, okay. So um, there was a break because I was on the uh, pay for it myself plan. so I stayed in college for um until I ran out of money and then I go work for a year and come back and work for a year and come back so um, chronologically it covered about 10 years and when I wasn't there I was at doing training other places okay just at time is you know we talked offline before Mm -hmm. but by that time it was an addiction it wasn't you know I I would wake up if I didn't feel sore I'd feel guilty (laughs) yeah so I dabbled in everything else that was available in that place so I but it was just dabbling the Judah was, she was my, um, I like my first girlfriend. Okay. Never forget.
0: So did you get in, involved in the competition side of it at that time or no?
1: Yeah, I was on the college team. So yeah.
0: Okay. So be, being on the team, you had to compete then or you said, cause you said you didn't have to. So, I mean, you, did you want to compete?
1: I, I didn't like competing, but it was important. And, okay. and that's, that's one of the things that goes with a lot of things in martial arts and life and everything or your job is like, if, if every job was perfect, as fun as the thing you truly love, they wouldn't have to pay you to be there, you'd volunteer. right Almost everyone, whatever part of the of martial arts that they most despise is probably the part that they most need. It's the, the guy, I don't want to do kata, it's probably what you need to and calm yourself the fuck down. <laughs> yep. For me, um, I loved sparring, I loved a randori, I loved every aspect of going head to head. The thing that always bothered me about competition was the audience.
2: Oh, um okay
1: i wasn't fighting for other people's entertainment especially people i despised and this is one of those the people that whatever if, if you're watching UFC but you aren't training it's like who the fuck are you the people that don't have the guts to do it but still want to sit on the sidelines and commits i had absolute contempt for okay but the judges that you know that that judges that hadn't been on a mat in 20 years but wanted to tell you what you did wrong Nothing but contempt. I I was, I was super arrogant. I was such a dick. It's really hard for me to, yeah, I was not a good person. Okay. But at the same time that being able to tune out the audience and to tune out the judge and to just focus with what I was doing was something I absolutely needed.
0: Okay. So what, what are you, some things you remember maybe like your first couple classes, you, you, you got to college, you, you found the judo class. Once you got into it, what, what was it about it? Those first few classes that made you want to stick with it and keep going?
1: The two, and one was actually several months later, Okay, but in the first day, and I I don't want to sound, this could sound super stupid, but one of the things I remember as a kid was I loved it when my dad threw me in the air. Mm -hmm. I would get sad knowing that someday I'm going to be too big for him to do this. Yep. And the first time I got whipped over in a fast shoulder throw, it's like, oh my God, I can still get thrown in the
2: air. That's it was actually, a, that's, that's cool.
1: <laughs> it was the best part of my childhood. It was like, and that was about the time the Superman movie came out with You'll Believe Man Can Fly. Yep. And that was Judo, I Can Fly. That's um, awesome. Yeah. And the second one was, and this is so rare, you'd think with all the years and all the training that the would, this would fade and there'd be hundreds of these by now. Yeah. But the first time I got a perfect throw on someone who seriously didn't want me to, fighting as hard as he could, and this effortless Seonagi, and this guy, and he outranked me. I was, I was a white belt. He was a brown belt, about 25 or 30 pounds heavier than I was, and just like magic, just exactly the way it's supposed to be. And that, that was, you know, that, that's a feeling I've been chasing ever since. That's awesome.
0: Now, did you get involved into, into teaching when you were doing that, or did that come much later?
1: Much later. I I never wanted to be a teacher.
0: So
2: <laughs> okay.
1: it's too much responsibility for me. I mean, when you when you're teaching, you're actually taking on the responsibility for re engineering another human being and it's like i d I don't have the right to do that.
2: <laughs> okay. Um,
1: but it was it was purely selfish and it wasn't it was now judo because um I transferred to classical jujitsu when we moved up to Portland and I was looking for a judo school. Okay. And there was a and I've, I've told the story enough that I, I feel weird telling it again, but there was a place that advertised karate, judo, jiu jitsu. And um, it turned out that it was basically saying that real jiu jitsu, judo, karate, and aikido each took a third of the curriculum and polished it till they felt safe. Mm-hmm. And that's not technically true, but that's a longer talk. Yeah. But it was it was a classical Sosushitsu jiu-jitsu school. I went in and it was um, – because as all young, arrogant, stupid judo people know, jujitsu is just primitive judo <laughs> or judo. And it, that's what I still tease the BJJ guys with. Doesn't BJJ sound for just – basically just judo? Um, nice. But anyway, I went in there and it was – uh they were playing really hard. They were playing – Games. The instructor was uh, Dave Sumner. He was one of those people that liked people so much, they kind of glowed. And he, he didn't let you know how good he was. Um, and that's a, I, get, I can tell you stories about that. But um, at first, I like, well, I guess I'll try it since there's no real judo close enough. And at first week, he taught me three entirely new concepts to throwing not three new throws, but three entirely different ways to put someone on the ground that I hadn't gotten in all my judo. But the thing that I loved most about his particular style of jiu-jitsu was he called it jiu-jitsu randori, mm-hmm. basically in fighting. It was, you got chest to chest, chest to back or chest to side, and then he had to control contact, but no hold smart, whatever you can do. And it changes your relationship to time. You find out that often offense and defense were never supposed to be separated. You are controlling structure as your primary defense, so your offense is your defense. And throwing and locking and striking and headbutts and strangling and locks are all blended into one thing. It was the most fun and the best training I've ever had for integrating your skills. And then when he retired, there was you know the the school kind of broke up and everyone scattered, and there was no one around I could find who could play the game I wanted to play at the level I needed to play it. And so the only reason I started teaching any martial art was to make playmates for myself. Oh yeah.
0: So then were you teaching what he taught you or were you blending that with the Jew you had already learned and kind of already starting to create your own system or.
1: So was one of the Jiu Jitsu groups that came together with Kano to help work out the curriculum for Judo. Okay. So the Judo was already incorporated. Nice. Um, Okay. It's so much easier to throw somebody right after you've broken their knee or give them a concussion. It's just not in that, that kind of blending. So I was teaching the essence, the core, pretty much the way he taught me. I'd been working the jails for a while at that time. Okay. So that got a little more informed. And I was also still working out the emotional side. Because that, that's one of the things that people don't get is when there's real blood or a serious injury or when someone's trying to kill you, that the, the feeling is entirely different. Right. And while there, it was a fad, and I'm sure it's still around, but I don't spend as much time on the internet about, well, what about active resistance? Like, active resistance is cool, but if you haven't experienced murder's resistance, then someone that focuses on active resistance is just as ignorant as a person that focuses on no resistance. Okay. There's a huge difference between someone trying not to let you punch him and someone actively trying to kill you. I tried to work out the the um, psychological part too, and that that's what actually became the first book, Meditations.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that because what you know what led to you wanting to write was it someone else's idea? Had you always oh. had the had the thought to do it? I know you said you were yeah. an avid reader when you were younger.
1: I was a reader, and was a little kid. I wanted to be a writer, but like a science fiction writer because that sounded so cool. And then once I get involved, so. And I involved meaning, I can't remember is, is it the military and then the sheriff's office were, but somewhere in there, I just couldn't stomach fiction anymore because okay. what, what I was doing was what they were trying to write about and they were wrong about almost everything. And I got incredibly frustrated with fiction. I didn't want to, didn't want to write anymore. The meditations actually started because I had a, a really bad year and this is, and there's that whole essence of that baggage essay in, in meditations on violence, all that shit happened in one year. And I, up to that point, I never take anything home. I was incredibly psychologically robust and then I just got tired and I was with my wife and we were, there was a nursery going out of business and she loves her plants. And we went in there. It was about, I don't know, maybe four o'clock in the afternoon. There's a sign saying take anything you want, leave the money here. I'll be back at two. It's like, it's already four. And I go, Oh fuck. He probably hung himself in the back. I said it out loud. And, um, Cammy said, yeah, you should go check. And my my initial, and it was it, so fast, only someone that knew me as well as her would have seen the micro expression that for the first time, the thing that flashed across my head was, no, it's somebody else's fucking turn. And anyway, so I, I was poking at the stuff in my head that wasn't settling. And and I started writing to get it out of my head so I could poke at it externally instead of internally. And um, are you familiar with uh, Macamono? Uh No. Okay, so some of the old traditions, when you get your teaching instructor, you'd also get a scroll of the secrets. Okay. And so I I originally wrote meditation, well, I originally wrote it for therapy, but part of it was also, it was something that if I ever promoted someone to Black Belt, I I planned to give it to them as my macamama. This is stuff I can't teach in a class.
2: Okay.
1: It's not the whole thing, but it's a taste of it. And I, I sent it to a couple of friends, and Chris Wilder sent it to his publisher. So my first book was accidental. Wow.
0: Yeah. Chris has actually been on the show. He's a good guy.
1: He is. We spent a couple, uh, the Judo Nationals were in Spokane, I think three weeks ago. And we spent, we spent together watching him and, and talking and go over his notes from his instructor.
0: Okay. And obviously the first book, I mean, you said it was an accident. It was kind of accidental, but it was also uh, successful. And then was it the same thing that made you want to keep writing? How many books have you written? I was trying to count on this.
1: I don't know. It's, um, so the, the first book was accidental. Second was, Basically, okay, so the first book was the questions, what are my best shots at the answers? Okay. That's how almost all of them happened, is like I don't like what's out there or there's nothing out there. The last one, um, Living in the Deep Brain, I woke up one morning with this idea for an article. Let's get all our friends together, right? What do you do to actively train your intuition? And it's like, so I started writing a little quote unquote article on how I train my intuition and I wrote, what, 35,000 words in five days. Wow. It just came pouring out. So a lot of it is either is either my subconscious kicking stuff up or the one I'm working on now, I don't like any of the situational awareness material out there. Mm-hmm. I need to get something needs to get out there so that other people can make it better.
0: Okay. Of all the books you've written, if you're someone who's never read one of your books, what's the, what's the best intro one to get to know Rory? Learn oh. l- learn about you and, and your writing style and hopefully, hopefully, you, hopefully get them hooked to read them all after that. <laughs> you phrase that question very differently.
2: Okay.
1: So phrasing it like that in order to get to know me meditations, that, that is a psychic vomit of everything that's on the inside. Okay. Yeah. But, uh... I might have to order that one
0: myself. I know that's been, that's been recommended to me. And facing violence is
1: possibly the, the most useful for self-defense. Okay. So, cause it's, again, the uh, meditations has a lot of the questions, but facing is trying to get a start on the answers.
0: Nice. All right. So then you, you did the judo, you did the classic yeah. jujitsu and you said in between the, the tangents judo, you tried other styles. What are some of the other styles you, you dabbled in and trained in?
1: dabbled in everything, everything that was available. So there's Shatoru Karate, um, Tang Soo like you. Nice. And that was also one of my best instructors. There were a couple of eclectic made-up stuff. Let's see, I never got into Aikido. Did do some Wing Chun. Oh, God, what else? Uh, Arnis oh, and, a and a whole bunch of variations of that. Uh, Salat, White Cream Salat. Nice. Yeah. And it's, uh, in a whole bunch of, uh, sword and weapon fighting and guns. Okay. So very cool.
0: And then, so at any point, did you ever actually open your own school or you said you started teaching, you know, so you could you know, train people to, you know, to, to basically play the way you wanted to play. Did you actually have your own school or were you doing like seminars? What were you, how were you doing that?
1: I had a friend that had a school and he had hours that were available. So I would just open school for his hours. Okay. Or for that available, I don't know if that sentence made sense, but yeah,
0: no, that makes sense.
1: But that—that's how I started, and then had a had a small group going, and that was incredibly frustrating because working for the sheriff's office, I was not on the same shift any two years in a row. Oh wow! So you know, I was on day shift. I think I've only been on day shift two years in my career. Yeah. Those were the only times where you could do an evening class, and when I was on graveyard, I was doing a a nine p.m. class and a eight thirty in the morning class. Okay, I'm double hitting it, but you know, I was changing shift every year. The students weren't, so every year I was starting over.
0: Wow, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it made it super frustrating because just at the point the students were starting to get interesting and challenging, mm-hmm. start over with a new group, and I got so tired of doing the basics over again. Yeah,
0: I get that; that makes sense. So, think back to then think, think back to that very first time teaching to now. Mm-hmm. You're still you still do seminars and stuff, and, and yeah. so yeah. what do you think has changed the most of your teaching style over the years?
1: The shift, as I got to understand the principles better, I could teach from the principles better. So if, if I still have my notes around here about some of my early classes, and my class plans, and it's all technique driven. Okay. Yeah. You, you have to learn how to do this. You have to learn how to. And now we start, we start with playing a, a game with contact and then like, okay, let's step out and look on this body mechanic. Let's step out and see if we can improve this movement. Let's step out and see if we can look at targeting. And just keeping it back to the game and I'm getting people better in, in a, in a weekend seminar than I used to when I was working on it for four or five months. Wow.
0: So what led to, to Kiron training, what kind of, what, what led to starting that and just talk a little bit about that and what, you know, what kind of what it does and what its mission is.
1: Okay. Um, so, uh, I came back from Iraq and I decided I never wanted to work for a government again. <laughs> And again, not because not anything, you know, bad or corrupt or horrific happened, although there was some, the, the horrific was the way that bureaucracies pencil whip things. You know, that absolutely doesn't matter what you do. It matters what you write down. Yep. And so if you write down things you never did, you get all the awards and all the accolades as if you actually did it. It was just such a, I'd never been that deep in the bullshit before. And same one of the reasons why it was easy to go to Iraq, because I finally moved up in the sheriff's office at the point that I was how some of the decisions were made and it, it wasn't based on what i thought it should be and so I, I came back really disillusioned and i i can i can rant about why forever but i don't want to turn off half your audience <laughs> but i'm not the only things i'm really good at are only legal if you're doing them for a government
2: okay
1: right yep. right if i yeah if i if i knock you down and handcuff you and throw you in the back of a van and <laughs> i'm not working up that's a super bad thing
2: yeah
1: so the only, the only really career path left was teaching and between the teaching and the writing, it seemed to work out. He uh, started this question with a really specific thing that I feel like I'm missing. Oh, Kuron mm-hmm. has, it just the, the, the only half human that's teaching other people how to be heroes really resonated with me.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah. Nice. So then is, is this, do you actually have like a training center for this or is it primarily just seminars? You're traveling around and you're doing seminars.
1: I travel and do seminars. And okay. I I want to say I'm retired from that, but I mm-hmm. it's um I plan to retire in uh twenty twenty, which was super coincidental because that's when COVID hit and <laughs> that would have died anyway as a business. But no, traveling, it's the the whole thing with lineages is weird for me. There's a guy named George Ledyard who lives close to me, but I've never met, and he wrote this article that blew my mind about when are you gonna to decide to be amazing. And the, the essence of the of the essay was that when you put your instructor on a pedestal, that becomes your excuse not to exceed him. And if I can't make you better than me, I'm a shitty teacher. And if you think your instructor is so amazing that you can never be better than him, you're calling him a shitty teacher. And this whole lineage thing becomes toxic really quickly. So I was really, you know, I I don't like handing out certificates. I don't want to certify people in in what I do, because they can never be me. They can, I can help them be better than probably. And that makes more sense to me. Okay. Um, the thing we're used to in, in traditional martial arts always strikes me as a super toxic Japanese family. You know, There can only be one patriarch, only one can move up once the patriarch dies. Um, if you, any disloyalty is, is considered, you know, or any, any change of attitude or learning new information is considered disloyalty and is punished. And that's just a really fucked up way to make effective people. <laughs> yep. But, you know, if we do it like a like a strong classical American family, you know, I'm your dad, I'll always be your dad. And you go in the family business at school, you go into your own business at school, I'll support you in any way that I can. That just seems a much better model. But in that case, you know, Kieran training or, or do set training or whatever will always be its own particular little little world. And that's the way it should be.
0: And about how often you do the seminar like if someone wanted to come to one uh, how often are they if they wanted to try to find one and get to it
1: like i said i've i've officially retired right but i still have real tough time saying no to friends okay so we'll be in minnesota doing bio in october was it june uh second weekend next month i'll be in boise it's it's basically if if tammy calls me in in dc i'll go in there and do something for her people and okay you know, it's still going to happen, but, you know, in 2018 yeah. and 2019, I was doing, oh, uh, three, seven a year.
2: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Yeah. I, and that's, so far I've done like 22 countries and, but only like 25 states. Okay. I still have states I haven't been
0: to. So now it's more like maybe you'll do three or four a year if... <laughs> If it's you know, a friend that wants you to do it, so
1: <laughs> if, if I get bored, and we also the the one regular thing I'm doing here is uh, we have a lab every month. Oh, okay. And uh, local instructors and anyone's invited, but we just get together and what are you working on? Uh, what's your mystery? Uh, last time I talked to Chris, he talked about some um, Okinawan internal arts body mechanics that were very counterintuitive. And that's what we were playing with last time. Nice. You know how you structure strike? You know, it usually goes rear leg up through spine out your fist mm-hmm. Does that makes sense yes. okay hero was able to structure from the front foot through a curve out your fist okay and I, I know ways to structure circular strikes but that was new to me and playing with it that is super interesting and gives a really interesting snap to the punch um mm-hmm. still not even close to having it but that's yeah. that's the kind of stuff we talk about the lap
0: yeah Nice. Just curious, now with your, your all your training and, and instructional stuff and more realistic type combat, what are your thoughts on something like MMA and the UFC? And is that, is that something you're a fan of?
1: I'm not a big fan of sports. Okay. I, I enjoyed the first couple of UFCs because it was really good at weeding the bullshit out. Mm-hmm. But one of the things is every time, as you become more commercial, there will have to be more rules and you'll have to adapt to the rules. Right. Right. So so MMA has to become its own system whatever you wanna call it. It is its own thing now, Mm -hmm. but it's still in its infancy. So on the good, I think that all young men are driven to find some way that they can test themselves. And I think that MMA is as far as anyone in the world in all of history has ever gotten with that. Relatively safely, it's complicated enough that they have to work strategy as well as the physical skills. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of mixed on that because if you have a lot of tools, it takes a lot of strategy, but if you have only one tool, that takes a lot of strategy too. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, perfect sense.
1: Yeah, why they call sportsmen strategists mm-hmm. was because when you got one tool that's your offense and defense, you have to think really deeply. So I think MMA is is really good for that. Yeah, but when people try to extrapolate it to other things, that's always dangerous because it's it's not self defense. You know who yeah. you're going to meet and and what they're allowed to do and how many there are. It doesn't mean that some of the tools will cross over, but the the strategy and the mindset are different. Uh, at every point where, where anyone in MMA has tapped out, that's the point where self-defense would start and tapping out wouldn't be an option.
0: So I was looking on your, on your site here. It looks like you, you've also done some instructional videos too. You got a handful of those that are available through, it looks like Amazon and stuff.
1: Yeah. YMA had the. they were my publisher for my first book and they had me do a couple.
2: Okay. And I'm
1: very weird about video because I think that any physical fighting, for want of a better word, is a very tactile skill. Right. And you have to learn it by touch. You can get ideas from video, but you still have to go out and play with it with somebody. Yes. You've heard about modalities of instruction, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, one of my rules now, and this is horrible bias, and I should feel ashamed, is when anyone tells me they're a visual learner, I automatically think, oh, you mean you want to sit on your ass and watch YouTube? (laughs) Yeah, the, the idea that you've seen something or you've read something and you get it, that can only apply to things where you have a lot of time and no adrenaline to work it out. Yeah you can read how to fix your, you know, your water heater, and then go down and tinker with it. But if you think that you can read how to defend yourself from a tiger chewing on your head and you're going to remember that when a tiger's chewing on your head, you're kidding yourself. Yeah.
0: Oh, you did a video with Lawrence Kane, another former guest of the show. Yeah. I sort of Lawrence
1: couldn't actually make it. So he did oh. a, cause we, we filmed it in Boston. Okay. And let's see, I can't remember where we filmed that. Cause, uh, the infighting when we did in this dingy bar where we're like our feet are sticking to the floor it was awesome okay i think the one with the material for Lawrence was i can't remember where we filmed it
0: yeah i'm gonna have to check some of those out That's interesting i was trying to remember because i know we've been trying to schedule this for a while i was trying to remember who actually recommended you to me and i found the email it was actually dana sheets another oh, dana. yeah she's the one who actually told me that i should get you on the show so thank you dana yeah she was she Hi. was fun to interview man she was she was really cool to talk to
1: yeah, she is smart as hell.
0: All right, who are maybe three, four, five names you would put on your personal Mount Rushmore of martial arts? People you never heard of. That's even better. Well, a lot of people have done that. I've had quite a few where they mentioned people I've never heard of, so.
1: So Dave Sumner. Okay. He's my jujitsu instructor. He was, I say pound for pound because he was small, but some of the people he took out, okay, so he's a maybe five foot six jujitsu guy we have a six foot three guy a man who is a straight up uh world full contact taekwondo champ oh wow and dave took him out using nothing but taekwondo
0: nice
1: and and that was the kind he was he he was that good and so i'll tell you i'll tell you the story again not not a fresh story but i was i was young arrogant judoka joining this jujitsu school which is everyone knows the subpar judo and um they didn't let me spar for about two weeks, and, and I I'd studied you know because I'd already done the takes on doing the shotoju, so I, I was competent. But, and this was also a phase where I was going to different schools to oh god I was a dick to spar with the instructor to see if they were worthy to study with. Okay, okay, so I'm sparring with Dave, and he's just a little bit better than me. And um, so I'm you know we bow out, and I'm walking away, and uh, and thinking yeah I'll stay for a while. He's, he's got he's got some stuff he can teach me. And then one of the junior instructors, junior being um, you know lower rank, asked to spar. And he's he's a black belt, much lower rank than Dave, but he's old, probably about five years younger than I am now. Okay. But he's just this lantern jawed, crippled up, arthritis in the hands, you know those cow knuckles from hitting macawaras Oh yeah. But just this, you know, a lot of stuff I didn't notice till later, and he toyed with me i'd like to say he destroyed me but he he didn't have enough respect to destroy me okay he, he toyed with me and it, at one point he said you know 11 moves in you're gonna to try to backfist me and i'm gonna take you down <laughs> and I, I and he did and i didn't realize till much later he wasn't playing chess he set it up and i'm I walk away from that one you know i bow out and i've got the nice smile on my face and i'm fuming it's like this guy's fucking amazing why isn't he teaching this class he's and then i look over and he's sparring dave and dave is just a little bit better than he was. <laughs> And for the, I, I stayed with Dave I think for eleven years, and all that time until towards the very end, where I was I was pretty much holding my own. No matter who he sparred, no matter how good they were, he was just a little bit better, just enough to really make them reach to be better themselves. Nice. And I don't know a handful of instructors that can hold that level of awareness. And so Dave, Dave would be up there on Mount Rushmore. Okay. Uh, Paul McRedmond, we call Mac. Uh, he's Got his own system called Bastante. He's just out of his garage. There are people you have heard of that he outranks in their own system. And he he was working with the sheriff's office when I was, and I was I was the young young buck when he was a silverback. Okay. So um he was an incredible mentor and he's an incredible mars- martial arts And there. There are very few big guys that are good because most people just get good enough to, you know, beat the people around them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was dedicated to being superb, and he is. His technical skill is just off the charts. Yeah, and he's got. And now, of course, like like all of this, he's getting super old, and no one knows how to get old well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a this whole circle around Wachi Karate mm-hmm. that you know I I couldn't put them all up there, but I couldn't put any individual up there either because they kind of made each other. Okay. So just just two names come to mind: Jim Loney and George Matson. And it's it's basically George created Jim and Van Cannon and a bunch of other people that were that were big in the seventies. And George himself is just a, a consummate strategist okay. and very dedicated. Jim is uh, officially he's a Micmac war chief. Uh, he handled or did handle the Queen's security when she was on tribal lands. He's just competitive boxer, fierce boxing coach, and uh, karate right down to his core. Um, but you see, you see, especially him, and this this is one of the things. A lot of these, you know, the the saying about line tracks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's his students are the things that really blow me away. When it when Bridget can't get a um a professional boxing gig because the uh, the Canadian champion her weight class won't go anywhere near. Nice, that's... that's pretty spectacular.
0: Yeah. So what advice would you give someone who's never done martial arts in their life and they they, they want to try it and they're it's like, yeah, one or two tips. Hey, what, what should I look for in an instructor or a school? And maybe one or two things I should avoid.
1: The first question I'd always ask is why do you want to do it? If you want to do it for fitness, it's different than if you want to do it for self-defense. It's different than if you want to do it for championships. So that, that's the, the kind of the first filter, you know? So number one, I, I would say is go look at the students and see if they're happy. If they're miserable, if they're picking on each other, if the dynamic's bad, you don't need to be there. There's no, no good to you doing psychological damage so that you can prevent yourself from physical damage later. Recognize that there's a huge difference between uh, training and weeding out. Um, I could easily make a school so tough that only tough people can survive, and I have really tough people, but I'm not making them tough. I'm just finding the tough ones and kicking everybody else out. Right, And that's not teaching the the ones that that would filter out that would be kicked out of that are the ones that generally need it most. I'm not, you know, I I'm not a big fan of like taekwondo for self defense, but it is like the funnest game of high speed tag that anyone has ever been. It's freaking fun. Have fun doing it. the The one that you'll stick with is more important than the one that might be the best for what you think. Right. If it's not making your life better, don't do it. If you're about self defense, one of the things I look for is um. Uh, How many cops are long-term members of the class?
2: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, I I don't look at the instructor so much as I look at the students, how well they move, because a lot of instructors are are old and crippled up, but that doesn't mean that they can't be good coaches. The two things that I look for, which I've I've talked to people that do commercial schools, and, and they said any commercial school that has the two things I look for will go out of business, but there's a certain smell that is a combination of sweat and excited adrenaline um, not fear adrenaline, that's a different smell. And I love a canvas flag with little brown dots on it. Okay. Canvas heavy bag. It's uh it's a little brown dots if you and yeah, I know you know this, but oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you hit a heavy canvas bag and you don't hit it just right, you're gonna bleed. Yep. And when your canvas bag has a bunch of brown dots on it, people bled on it. Yep. Yes, and all you gotta do to prevent it is hit it right. Not that hard. Exactly. So let's see, any other advice? Know what you want. Uh, don't be afraid to quit. And I don't mean quit because it got tough, because that, that you've got to work through. But it's like martial arts, and especially self-defense, can become super toxic. There are people that want 15-year-old girls to bow to them and call them master. And they're attracted to become martial arts instructors. Predators go where the prey is. Yep. A lot of people that have gone to self-defense have been victims before, and they fall into the victim mold. And when you've got an instructor that wants to be a little bit of a predator, anyway, the dynamic can be super toxic. So this is one of those, if anything creepy happens, get out. Don't do the boiling frog thing. Recognize when you're being tested and don't acquiesce to the test. It's no one has a right, even if they are your instructor, no one has a right to touch you without your permission. It, it just uh, the whole list of things doesn't change beca- just because you're in this environment.
0: All right. In all your years of martial arts, is there one philosophy you've learned that is super important to you. It's at the top of your list. You keep coming back to it.
1: Yeah, and it, it wasn't. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff in martial arts, but the one that I think is central, and I'll have to walk it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when Ron Bishop, when I was sworn in as a as a deputy, Ron Bishop handed me the badge and shook my hand, and he said something to everyone down the line. I don't know if he said the same thing to everybody or it was or special, but we handed me the badge. He said, "Once you pin this on, you're never allowed to lose." And it's when you're fighting for other people, you are never allowed to lose. When you're fighting for what's right, you are never allowed to lose.
0: That's cool. All right. I got a few fun ones to wrap it up. Now, this first one, you can't pick one of yours. Do you have a favorite martial arts book?
1: Uh, Yes. Uh, E.G. EG, Bartlett's um, Judo and Self-Defense. Okay. It's one of the first I picked up, and Jude was really big in Britain. He's a British guy. I know nothing about him except for this, but it's set up as um, everything you need to know to get to Black Belt in 100 Lessons. And the reason that I loved it is because the the descriptions are clear, but at the end of each technique, he has this uh, thing, points to watch and connection, and connection is spelled with an X to this throw or to this hold. And every time I was having trouble with it, and I, I grabbed that book down whatever I was having trouble with was right there in his points to watch. Okay. It, it, it was just a, a super clear, super simple. It's yeah.
0: I like that one a lot. Okay. All right. This one you might not have an answer for. kind of depends, but do you have a favorite martial arts video game? Were you ever into video games at all?
1: I was never really into the video games that I got into were, um, first person shooters. Okay. And I, I kind of topped out at, um, grand theft auto San Andreas.
2: <laughs> nice yeah and it just
1: but that was I was I was spending all day at work not
0: killing some people that desperately need to kill him <laughs> okay I get yeah that. yeah see and I, I all my kids played games but not you know I mean we have like a Nintendo Wii and I played Wii bowling probably 10 years ago <laughs> it was the last time I used our video game system so yeah in the 90s you know I did like Mortal Kombat I did Street Fighter I did things like that but yeah not not recently other than like you know solitaire on my phone probably when I'm bored <laughs>
1: I was older. Sometimes in the morning, um, my wife put Minecraft on our computer, and it's that's about the right mix of okay. building, exploring zombies. So
0: nice. How about a favorite martial arts TV show?
1: Okay, in a lot of ways, it's terrible. And again, for Christmas, my wife got me uh, Martial Law with Sammo Hung. I love that show. <laughs> it was the thing that now after this. Is realizing that there's no way that all the American gangsters would fight with the same Chinese opera style as the protagonist.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: that is funny.
1: <laughs> and super blast from the past, Wild Wild West.
0: Oh, yes. Yes. The original, yep.
1: I am convinced. There's one scene where he puts a piton in a gun. And I wouldn't check the date, and he did that before James Bond did it in Diamonds Are Forever. Really? And there's a scene where he's surrounded by people... I think they're a Chinese tongue or whatever. And he's using his karate to fight them off. And that is so close to the scene in, um, uh, enter the dragon center. Mm-hmm. Dra- yep. I, I think that Bruce Lee cribbed that scene. Really? I think that James West was Bruce Lee before there's Bruce Lee, James Bond before there's James Bond, it's steampunk before there was steampunk.
0: That's awesome.
1: It's a, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really qualify as a martial arts TV series. Maybe, but I liked it.
0: Hey, we'll count it. We'll count it
1: into the badlands for modern
0: I love that show yes I, w- I wish it would have got one more season <laughs> i wanted one more season but yeah some amazing choreography amazing amazing sword work yeah that's a fun show yeah have you watched the new show warrior no you might enjoy that it's a i don't know if you're ever a bruce lee fan but it, it was his daughter shannon's involved in the show and it was actually created from his original notes for the show kung fu before they basically stole stole kung fu and changed it and took it away from bruce this is what kung fu was supposed to be it's a really good show cool warrior yeah warrior. Warrior. what's it on is it might, might be amazon okay yeah a, i'm trying to remember but uh, i think it might be amazon it's it's one of the ones i don't actually have so i have to watch it when my like friends and stuff but i think it's a second or third season now so but it's it's really good nice how about a favorite martial arts movie
1: the Last Dragon, hands down, best martial arts movie ever made.
0: Nice that is, I'm trying to get Timac on my show.
1: Why not continue making movies? You, I'm, he was yeah. his. He moved so well, mm-hmm. and, and it, he moved better than any martial artist I'd, I'd ever seen on film, for sure.
0: If I'm not mistaken, he did. He did like the stage play of Roadhouse, and he played the Patrick Swayze character. I'm almost positive I read that somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, yeah. I saw a picture of him, like in a blonde wig and
1: everything. <laughs> <laughs> that unnecessary.
0: Yeah, that's okay. that's uh, yeah, that's one of those ones. Uh, that's one of the ones I haven't watched with my daughter yet. Me and my daughter, the last two years, have gone through this whole '80s rabbit hole and watched all these classic '80s, '90s movies and, and mm-hmm. everything. And that's one I've, I've been telling her we have to watch one of these times. So one one of these days, I think uh, Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon will probably be next on our list and introduce her to Bruce Leroy and The Shogun of Harlem. So <laughs> yeah, sure enough. That's awesome. Okay. Now this one would be really interesting with your background and and, and more realistic stuff. I'm curious. It doesn't have to be a martial arts movie, just a favorite movie fight scene.
1: Oh man.
0: And anything goes I've had from Marvel and star Wars to the princess bride to Bruce Lee born identity, anything in between
1: the princess bride is super fun. Yep. I'm drawing blank on names today. This is a, well not today. It's I've had a bunch of kids are always hard. Okay. No, I'll be embarrassed if I can't remember his name.
0: What's What's the show I can brag?
1: Maybe, maybe I mean, it's a show. it. It is uh, a friend of mine has done a uh, in the duel in the Princess Bride. They're talking about all these uh, fencing masters that oh, written books. Okay, have you studied your Cap- capoeira? And one of my friends has actually done. He's read all those books. He teaches uh, Hema. Oh wow! It uh, a video on what that fight would actually look like if they were actually imitating the people they said they were imitating nice it's super nerd stuff it's not nearly a spectacular fight it's <laughs> yeah. just for, for sword nerds are the only people who would care that's kind of cool uh, yeah i think is there sort of a fight scene that i because a lot of times the fight scene is the part you can walk away from because you know how it's going to go right you know and a lot of them are the ones that made me throw my there, there's one scene in almost every movie where to show how tough it is the guy doesn't call for backup and he goes in and takes out <laughs> five or.
2: So yep
1: and that drives me up the wall because no one does dangerous things alone if they have a choice. Yeah. If you did that, then they would claim that you attacked them. And since you won, that's like 90% likely to be true. And you'd be up on charges. The very fact that you didn't call for backup if you were caught means that you knew you were doing something wrong. You didn't want witnesses. Yeah. It just. So let's see. One that I think about a lot there's a scene in one of the early NYPD blues.
2: Oh, okay.
1: Where there's a. a Guys, one of the cops has taken enough steroids; is affecting his brain. And the other low key detective, the redheaded one, can't remember the name. And the guy takes a shot at him and just gets dropped. And it's it, it just a sweep is really elegant. And that one, that's nice. That's what it should look like. If someone tries to take you out, they should fall and not even know how it happened. Right. And there's another one, not in Jimbo. I think Sandro, Sandro Zagada. Okay. Jimbo, but where he does the uh the left-handed draw with the wakizashi and disembowels the other guy before the guy has even started his, his attack
0: i remember that but okay
1: yeah that that one is elegant and there's one scene in um there's a another mifune movie called red beard mm-hmm. okay and i can't recommend the movie because i was bored to tears because it's mostly about an apothecary and his apprentice but there is one scene where he fights. There's only one fight scene in the whole movie, but every move in there I recognize from classical jujitsu. Really? And it's not, it's not pretty or elegant or choreographed. It looks floppy and brutal. Okay.
0: Yeah. That's actually kind of cool. I was going to ask you, you you, as a, you know, I I like asking other martial artists this: when you're watching a movie fight scene, can you actually enjoy them or are you trying to pick it apart?
1: One of the reasons I, I have a trouble reading fiction but I like the movies as ridiculous as possible. Okay. It's like into the Badlands is wire work. Yes. And and it's gorgeous because it doesn't have any bearing on reality. Yeah. The Same uh, John Wick I hated for about the first hour, hour and a half. And when they brought in the Intercontinental, I realized it was a fantasy movie. And it's a fantastic fantasy movie. It's a terrible action adventure movie. <laughs> yep. And, and and so yeah, a lot of that if I manage my own perspective, it's okay. Okay.
0: And I'm one who, I can do both. I mean, I, if I need to pick it apart, I can. But I also, I just, I, I go to movies to get lost and I have fun. You know, and that's why that's why I like Cobra Kai. I don't like Cobra Kai because the martial arts is realistic. I like it because Karate Kid was the reason I got into martial arts. And it's just this big nostalgia trip for me. So I just, I love it because of that. I, you know, I realize it's not, I mean, it's, it's funny how literally everyone on that show gets a black belt level in like four months. So, <laughs>
1: And I like Cobra Kai not, and sometimes the writers bobble it. Yeah. But because it's it's all about character growth arcs. Yes. And I, and I like watching that. And, and the Ralph Macchio character in there is the one that's the, the biggest dummy, the most immature, the one that's not learning. His wife is actually the smartest person in the entire show.
0: Yeah. That's when I watched with my, she's hooked on it to my daughter and we watch that whenever the new season comes out, we binge it. And my, my other friend actually takes his kids out of school so they can stay home and watch Cobra Kai. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not quite like that with my, with my daughter, but. <laughs> I'd be going a little too far. Yeah, I know, I know. So Rory, be, before I let you go, anything that maybe I forgot to ask you about that you want to make sure we get out there? Any you know, last minute parting words you want to leave with? Or...
2: Not
1: really. It's, uh, you know, you know your audience better than I do. Normally <laughs> I just try to remind people that You know, life is to be lived, live hard. Mm -hmm. So, but that as I'm basically retired and living on my mountain, doing as little (laughs) as possible, that sounds kind of like bullshit now. But (laughs) yeah, but but you
0: lived hard for a long time, though. So (laughs) I did.
1: It's like, yeah, I was at physical therapy today and he's going over what my shoulders can't do and what my knees can't can't do. And
0: I just got my wrist x rayed today and scheduled an MRI. So (laughs) I'm hoping if if I can get to your your thing in October, I'm hoping I'm healed by then. And I can actually come down and meet you. We'll see. That's, that's, well, been, a, that would be that's been a rough, rough few months.
1: That would be fun because it's a good group. I think you'll enjoy them.
0: Even if I'm not healed up, maybe I'll come down just to meet you in person and, and, and say hi. And, and yeah, that'd be fun too. And possibly, you know, recruit some more guests for the show. So
1: it'll be fun. We've got this safety rules. Just just talking about that is
2: mm-hmm.
1: one of the things that goes into the safety briefing whenever I do a class is because there's normally a point where anyone having any injuries I need to know about. And realistically, if you've been training for a list of time, we'd be there all day, <laughs> listing all and no one could remember them. So one of the things that we really emphasize is play with the body you have. Yeah. You know, if you've got a breeze, if you're tiny, if you're, you're old and you can't take, you know, you've got bone cancer and you can't take impact. Cool. That, that's part of your, your strategic landscape now. So we've, we've designed games specifically to play with that. That's cool. So you could be in there and decide to use your cast as a weapon.
0: I like that cuz you know I've you know you know, like my my current you know traditional martial arts instructor when I go to class he knows he's like you know, what current injuries do you have? What can you do? He's like, don't push it. He's like, I don't want, I'd rather have you at half speed now than lose you for six months because you pushed it too hard. Cause he knows I want to go all in and, and he'll, he'll knock me down a few notches and be like, are you just, you work with the white belts, you do this, you know, I, I want you to survive. <laughs> so, you know, I, I like when, if you wouldn't do that at the beginning, I wouldn't say anything. <laughs> I would just go in there full war and I'd probably walk out limping and in pain and And worse, the next day
1: (laughs) we're focused on self-defense. So how does it serve you in self-defense if you're too injured to
0: using the stuff you learned? Exactly. Cool. Well, hopefully it'll work out, but I just, I want to thank you for this. This has been a lot of fun. I know we've been, like I said, we've been trying to get it for a while and, and I already uh, uh, ordered uh, your first book. I I definitely want to check that one out and, and make time to read it and, and I'll probably be ordering more over the next few months. But I, I will put links for your books and, and anything else you need me to when the episode comes out. As of now, you're, I'm a little over a month ahead. Your episode is scheduled to come out on July twentieth. So, cool. So that's a workout. Nice. Good yeah, work ethic. It, it is. It's June's a a, a nice month for me because my kids are all busy, so I have free time. So I'm just trying to. This is my fourth interview in three days, and I'm going to try to schedule at least four or five more before the end of June. I'm hoping to have my summer taken care of by the end of June with all my interviews and all my episodes ready to go. So we'll see if I actually pull it off, but you know, I got to get more people to reply to me and say yes, but I'm going to, I already sent Tammy an email and I'm going to reach, I sent George Matson an email, <laughs> some names you gave me, and I'll, I'll reach out to a few more of the people you mentioned and stuff. And
1: One of the old dragons, he's, he's, he brought a system to the U S that's cool.
0: Yeah, like I said, I want as many as many different people, different backgrounds, more variety. I mean, like I said I've had I've had UFC fighters, I've had you know point tournament fighters, I've had you know instructors, I've you know, had motivational speakers, stand up comedians <laughs> that do martial arts. I mean, you know, any kind of background you can think of, professional stunt people. It's like I want the variety and I want the more backgrounds and more. St- I've had NFL Hall of Famers on my show, you know, so it's, you know stars of TV shows and movies. So it's it's everything in between it's it's i want i want the variety and if, if someone has a cool story to tell and they're willing to if you know more people feel free to send them my way because that's if i'm willing i'm willing to talk to them <laughs> excellent Brian. but once again I, I truly appreciate your time i i've been an honor having you on the show and i can't wait to get the episode ready
2: all right i'm looking forward to it
0: Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artists. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartists.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artists and we'll see you next week.